0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode, a special episode of Off The Pulpit. I'm Eugene. I'm Jason. I'm Thomas. Three pastors and three friends conversing on life, culture, and church. Off The Pulpit. Happy Father's Day, if or I, I don't know if this will come out on Father's Day, but happy Father's Day for any fathers listening. If you can always tell from the title, um, that's something that we all three wanted to talk about because we're all fathers in, in different stages of life. So excited to talk about that and chat about that. But before we do that, um, we brought back the mailbag had some interesting um, questions. I don't know how honest we can be with these, but a couple questions I want to ask uh, all of us. Uh, first was an interesting one: uh, What do pastors honestly want for pastors' appreciation month? When is
1: when, when is pastors' appreciation month? Is it August? October. October. Okay. I didn't even know either, <laughs> but I get. I guess Tom has it circled on his calendar. Yeah. Hey man, Jody treats
0: <laughs> Tom nice man we got apple products what Uh, do we want i can i can say what we don't want like we don't want books or like or comment i've i've seen that happen or commentaries or bibles like we we have enough of those that's a rebuke if they give you a bible (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: true that's true i
0: like amazon gift cards yeah. Like I think just capital and cash is better, than, <laughs> cash. right? Like there's no, like we're just human beings. Like we, we, we appreciate that a lot. Um, but yeah, but Hey, thanks for asking. October is Pastor appreciation month. So we hope you're appreciating your pastors. Um, another question we got, I noticed you guys all wear glasses. Who has the worst eyesight out of the three? I you guys wear again. glasses your whole life? No, I, I
2: did not. I started wearing it post-college same same
1: oh i started wearing it in college but i i'm pretty sure my eyesight's like not that bad compared i mean i don't know what your your guys' eyesight is i think mine i'm like negative 1.75 and, and on one and two negative two on the other oh you don't you just it's more of a yeah. fashion
0: statement for for
1: jason maybe a fashion statement <laughs> yeah i do have an astigmatism though oh oh. Mm. yeah sorry Sorry. so if you if you (laughs) crash on the
2: island and you lost your glasses on an island you'd be fine
1: i think i'd be fine uh like so i right now i can't i can't like drive at night without my glasses but i could probably like get around during the day Uh, jason has the best eyesight that's
2: me too i I mainly started wearing them because i wanted to watch movies without being too distracting
0: I have the worst eyesight cuz I can't drive without so you, them. Eugene has the worst. I'm the most blind. Um, cool. Another this this will this will I'm really interested on what you guys will say to this. Uh, how much should pastors get paid? <laughs> that's a whole oh, episode. Man. I know, <laughs> that's an that episode in and of itself. Do you guys feel like pat uh, would you guys raise eyebrows if the pastor had the highest salary of the congregation? uh i i would <laughs> <laughs> well you're you're in la so i would too because give him i guess it matters where you live too just don't be on preachers wear
2: sneakers <laughs> profits and watches
1: there's an instagram called profits and watches dude be oh, careful oh. the
2: watch you wear someone's gonna take a picture and you might be on profits and watches
0: dang john MacArthur got in trouble or not in trouble with it there's dang, a whole john debacle.
1: MacArthur got yeah. on an instagram site he, dang. he got an
0: expensive watch like his associates wrote like a rebuttal letter for that oh post. did they wow. yeah, yeah 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 you oh. can look it up but hey Max got some nice watches too so shout out to yeah, nobody's safe to but uh yeah that is an episode we'll probably do uh way down the line uh the last question we got is actually I, this i got we got this multiple times would our wives ever host an episode on off the pulpit
1: so I guess the first question is: Would our wives ever listen to an episode? <laughs> <laughs> does, does Eugene? Does your wife listen?
0: Uh, I think she she she'll, she listened to the Generals uh, uh, episode. I think that's it.
2: Man, when I bring up the episodes, she's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Ah, uh, you don't listen." I know, but but they have a good reason. I remember when we I think me and Jason asked our wives, and they said they
0: listen to us preach all the time. They don't want to listen to us in the radio, like on the drive. But, okay, okay, they don't listen, but would your, would your respective wives come on the
1: mic to, to do an episode? May, it depends on the topic. May, I, maybe on being um, a pastor's wife,
2: ooh. would we want them to be on the episode?: <laughs> <laughs> That's a better question.
1: Probably.
2: But I think they would have interesting things to say,
0: because really I, I,
2: think, I think all of our wives are not the prototypical like pastor wife. Yeah. So they oh, would have yeah. some interesting things.
0: Well, I guess the answer is just, just keep posted, and we'll let you know. Um, but yeah, again, our mailbag uh, usually open before any episode. So if you have any questions, even without a mailbag, we'd love to hear it. You can just DM us on Instagram on Off The Pulpit. So that's our mailbag. But today uh, we're recording on Father's Day, uh, the night of Father's Day, and all three of us are dads, as I mentioned. So I, I we've had some heavy topics. I think our previous... For a while in our episodes, and, and something wanted us to do an episode where it's a little more chill, um, and just kind of bantering and just talking about our lives, and I think just talking about fatherhood because I do think, I think that's something that's preached on a lot, but not talked about in the church. Um, and I, I'd be interested to hear what we all say. But I guess before anything, um, I guess just quick backgrounds on our fatherhood, you know, on how you became a dad, how many kids you have, and your family history might be helpful for the listeners. So whoever wants to go first.
1: Uh, I became a dad in 2015, so I have a a daughter who's a daughter Avery who's going to turn six in July, and then uh, my son Jack is going to turn four. Um, he's a Christmas Eve baby. Oh. Um, so yeah, got a girl and a boy. Uh, love it. Um, you know, I, it was having a girl first was awesome for me because, you know, I just have a younger brother. And so, you know, when you've only grown up with dudes, um, it just like, it was so exciting for me. I mean, it was like my dream to have a daughter. And so, um, yeah, uh, growing up for me, I had a great relationship with my dad. I still do. Um, like he was, yeah, like, uh, very much more like a friend uh, even um, sometimes than even a dad because we we just our personalities are are so similar and and so we got along so well um, at my wedding I don't <laughs> looking back I don't know ex- exactly if this was a compliment but he stood up when he gave a speech and he said he always wanted a daughter but he never needed one because he had me <laughs> <laughs> what? what? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I still, you know, at the time it was really an emotional speech. I kind of look back now and I'm I try That's to like only, dissect that. That's the one part you <laughs> remember. That's the
2: one part that stood out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um uh. but but yeah, just overall really great memories with my dad growing up. Mm-hmm.
2: I think I'm similar. I had my first son uh, 2015, and so he is turning six also in July, and then I have a daughter, who is four, and yeah, same thing. I always wanted a son at first, and when I had him, I was like, all right, I think I want daughters now because he was just crazy, and then when we had a daughter, we we're so happy, and she was exactly what we thought, like she was great. She it's awesome having daughters, and then we actually have a third one coming. She's due and at the end of November. And so, yes, everything. Once everything got kind of settled, where the kids were grown up and they're independent, or slowly becoming it, now we're doing again. But what's cool is I was getting sad with uh, our son and daughter getting older because you know time just goes by so quickly. But I got less sad now that we're pregnant again, and we we kind of go through that whole process. So we call it the last dance, and we're just enjoying (laughs) this final process. And so it's cool. So family of three that's coming, Um, but then. Growing up, a little bit similar to Jason, where I was always fairly close to my dad, although he was kind of the more typical Korean first-generation father. And it stood out all the more because all my friends were white, and they had more of that friendship relationship with their father. So I always mm-hmm. thought and noticed that there's it was a little bit different with my father, because he wasn't the typical sports dad who would take me out to ball games or play catch with me. He just worked hard and provided. So that was the type of father that he was. It wasn't until later when I ran to other Asians that I was like, oh, actually my dad's a little bit different than the typical Korean dad where he showed affection and more love than maybe what I saw around my Asian brothers and sisters. And so, yeah, good relationship. I always respect him, and he's a godly man. And so pretty solid relationship with my father as well.
0: Nice. Um, yeah, for me, I became a dad in 2018. So I have, I have two kids. My son just turned three in May, Eli or Elijah. My daughter is going to turn two this year in august so 14 month difference wasn't planned but uh that's we'll get into that (laughs) but um yeah it's been it's been crazy i i'm in a tiny apartment and i think the quarantine was a nice time to like really become a dad because you're just kind of with them all the time so that's that's my kids my i guess my family history i'm i'm probably I've had the more typical Korean-American experience where, again, I, my dad wasn't abusive in any form or like toxic, but distant, cold, uh, even mysterious. Like I, I don't know what my dad does for his job. He's never <laughs> specified that. I know he went to India a lot like every summer when I was growing up, so I, I have no idea as to what he does. and hes even when I bring it up to him, he's like super secretive about it. So we have that type of relationship. It's, you know, I, I think we can talk. It's kind of there, but very cold and uh, just distant. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more, but that's that's how me and my dad are. Hmm. But with that, I guess all of us kind of are recent. That da- I mean, within the past five years, so our kids are still a little bit younger. So we have our fair share of, like, stories, right? And I think just to kind of break the ice as we talk about all this, like for you guys looking back and I guess for at least five years of being a dad, like, what's been the wildest dad story you've had with your kids so far? Or just wildest parenting story that you have? You know, there's a
2: lot of things that happen to your kids that you realize is normal. But until you Google it, you don't know that, oh, this is a normal thing. Like, I remember one time yes. I was pulling my son up from a slide and because he, he wanted me to pull him up. And all of a sudden he started screaming. And he just kept grabbing his arm. And I thought, like, what's wrong with his arm? And he kept, like, holding it and he couldn't move it. And so I thought I broke his arm. And it was so like you know scary. And so we drove to the ER, and we thought like this was a big thing. But later on, you know, nobody was freaking out. And they are like, oh, they just like rubbed the elbow. And they described, like, oh, you pulled out a joint. And I was like, what? And I looked it up on Google, and it's like a nursing elbow. Where pretty much the kid, the, that's a very normal thing where a kid's elbow could get dislocated. And it's kind of like, that's why you don't swing your kids with their arms, because their arms get dislocated when they get older. And so there's little things like that that happen where it's it's literally a normal thing, but at the moment you don't know because it's so new to you. But yeah, when I tell people that story, they're like oh yeah, nursing elbow, yeah, we we contact through that before. I'm like oh
0: wow. So, is it always funny too? Like we always freak out with the first, but then the second. Yeah, you don't care about like, the
2: second. I feel so bad yes. for a third. We're not gonna <laughs> care at all.
0: Like whatever,
2: man. She can do whatever she wants. Like, uh, that's so true, though. That's
1: so true. I mean, so many to name i i I mean uh obviously i think i had we we've had all the the crazy stories that most parents would share um i guess one um story that like comes to mind that actually doesn't even involve us fully is that um like in two thousand. 2019, my wife and I, we took a trip to Korea. We only took our daughter. We left our son. (laughs) Um, He was too crazy. He was was too wild. He clearly had a favorite. Clearly. Yeah, Yeah, we left him with the grandparents. Um, It was funny, though, because uh, after the trip, you know, Carol created like a photo album, like memories for the summer. And so, like, it was, like, all these pictures of us in Korea, but she didn't want Jack to feel left out. So she, like, a lot of the pictures that my parents sent us while we were in Korea, she, like, added those in. So she she was trying kind of, like, making it seem like he was also in Korea. But I was, like, one day he's going to look at this and be, like, why didn't I take pictures with anyone um, while I was in Korea? But anyways, um, (laughs) while we were gone, though, apparently what happened was he he went into like one of the bedrooms in my parents' place, and he was just playing around in there. And he actually, um, while he was inside, he broke the doorknob uh, from the inside, so my my parents couldn't actually get get him. Like he mm-hmm. was locked inside, and they tried to like break down the door, did not work, and so literally he, I mean, he was crying and, and they were, they were like, okay, they, there was like a little hole through the, 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 where the doorknob was. And they were speaking to him through the doorknob being like, stay calm. It's fine. They called the fire department, fire department came, climbed up the window, had to essentially like break the window from outside and then pull Jack out uh, through the window. My parents did not tell us this because they didn't want to worry us while we were in Korea. And I heard I heard the story when we got back and I was, you know. Wait, so uh, if, if he has any trauma, it's just because <laughs> he couldn't go to Korea. Yeah. It's the summer summer of 2019. Uh, <laughs> oh, that I'll never forget. Man.
2: So. That's too good.
0: Um, yeah, I think the story, I don't know if I should share this or not, but the story that pops out to me is like, so Sydney is an oopsie baby. So like, It's, it's, we found out she was pregnant. Or a gift, or a gift. Sorry, I I don't like, yeah, this is true, Jason. It's a gift that my wife was hesitant to receive because, (laughs) so like, Eli was, I think, six months. So we're just, and we'll get into this, but you're just getting past like the craziness stage. You know, it's kind of like normal sleeping patterns a little bit. So getting some normalcy back at our house. And I just had this weird feeling. I was like, and I always told her this too, but I was like, "Hun, like, I think you're pregnant. But it was a joke. But I kind of felt like it. And she was like, stop. Like, at first, she was like, stop. That's, don't, that's not funny. And then when I kept saying, she's like, shut up. Like, that's, like, really not funny. And I was like, like, just take a test. Like, it's just it's just weird, right? So, because, uh, you know, she missed, like, her cycle and stuff. So, she took a test. And it was taking a while. And I was like, "What the? Like, when I took, when we took Eli's test, it was so quick. So, I was, like, with Eli. And we, we came into the room. And she's just, like, like laying down on the bed. And the test is, like, on the drawers. I went, and I looked, and I was positive. I was like, oh, I was, like, so excited. I was, like, young, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I hope it's a girl. I turn around, and my wife just curled up in a ball, just, like, just breaking down. I was like, oh, my gosh. I just oh, picked up Eli man. and I ran out, and I was like, oh, we're going to be a family of four. But <laughs> but anyways, she's a gift, and it's been a blessing. But, um, yeah, but it, it's been crazy. So, like, it's I basically had to raise twins without expecting twins in the beginning i realize mm. so that's that's a that's a whole nother thing too this really is why we need about. that wives episode <laughs> yeah she'll, <laughs> she'll share the other side of the story probably but um but yeah you know so we're all dads of t- uh, multiple kids and you know relatively young kids too and i think again like i mentioned before i just wanted to flesh out just being a dad and just chat about it too i think again we're not the first i think step of parenthood is understanding we have no idea what we're doing so we just hope that we can talk and produce some fruit from it. But I guess for you, before getting to any of the meat of it, like if you had to, you know, I, I think all of us had expectations going into fatherhood and parenthood. But as you kind of look back, what's like the biggest surprise or the most surprising thing about fatherhood for you uh, as you kind of reflect back on the couple of years that you've had? I'm surprised how much I like it. I mean, I wasn't oh, so he, one. Yeah, you weren't like you weren't like excited to be a dad in the beginning. Like I don't want, I, yeah,
2: stuff. I don't want kids. Not oh, okay. that I was against it, but I told my wife if we never had kids, I'd be completely fine. We'd have kids till like four years into our marriage, hmm. and so to me, it was okay if we didn't have any kids, and or if we only had one kid, maybe. So I was like that typical guy who was like, "Yeah, maybe one day," but then after we had our our son, it, it just kind of opened up a new door of like life. And I remember telling my wife later, like the one regret I have about marriage is that we didn't have kids earlier. So that was a big surprise for me is how much I enjoyed having kids.
0: Is it because it like unlocked a deeper intimacy with your marriage too, alongside parenting?
2: It like unlocked everything, like deeper connection with my wife, deeper connection with my parents, deeper connection with other parents, deeper Mm -hmm. connection with like kids in general, deeper Mm -hmm. connection with God. And so I feel like it just opened these doors that were once closed I didn't understand and now that they're opened it's like a new spectrum or new layer that's kind of been wide open in my life and so I was really surprised how much I liked it
1: yeah for me um first thing is that it was way harder than I expected you know and and I think everyone says that right um whenever you meet parents uh or or expecting uh parents um They'll often say, you know, give me some advice, give me some wisdom. And the thing that everyone says is, it's hard to explain, and you just kind of have to endure it. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. You know, we we got, I got advice from a lot of different people. Different people were telling me that it's going to be hard. I'm not gonna, not gonna be able to sleep. You know. I think one one of my friends was telling me that you know he has he has now three kids and he was telling me he he can't remember a time in his last like 10 years of not of not being tired you know uh he um he he just he can't even remember that anymore that feeling anymore that uh sir yeah um of being like a hundred percent and so that for sure is true um, second thing for me also that was surprising is I, I had a, maybe a lot of, I had too much faith in myself as a dad in the sense that I, there were all these things that I felt like for sure I was going to do. Like I was one of those guys who said I would not have my kids like have any screen time until a certain <laughs> age, uh, you know, I was, those, yeah, like, you know, I was those people I was, I was that guy who, was, who would judge other parents, uh, you know, who set up the iPad while they were eating. And um, there were all these things that I said I was going to do. You know, I was going to start teaching my kids music, you know, when they were like a year old, all this stuff. Um, none of that happened. And, you know, people who know us know like we are like the iPad, iPhone, television family. We we set that thing up so fast, Um, Mm -hmm. and so I I think in in some ways that that surprised me too. You know, like how how different I was than what I thought I would be. Very humbling. Mm -hmm. And no
2: one will judge you for that
0: unless they're (laughs) not a parent. Exactly. (laughs) We all understand. We all understand. You know, that's like the most surprising thing I've I realized. Like I think before, like when you're in public, when you're single or you're just you don't have kids and they're acting out, you're like, dude, like how could these parents like you know, let that happen or raise their kids that way. But I realized and maybe I'm just a bad parent, but like, man, like I'm so surprised of how much out of control their own development in both ways is like, there's, there's things that like Eli does that he's just turning three. I'm like, dude, you're one of the smartest kids I've ever met. I didn't do much for that. But then on the other side, like he'll act out. And I'm like, where did you get that from? It's just like, man, like parenting is so hard because like there's so many X factors into it. It's just, they kind of, Kids are their own thing. And you think going into like, oh, yeah, like I I watched this, I don't know, movie or like I I know what to do with parenting. And you just realize like it's just trial and error. And that's been the most surprising thing for me. And like the other thing, too, is I don't know about you guys, but I'm surprised how much I'm parenting and being a dad like my dad, even though I told myself like there's certain things I would never do. But kind of like, I don't know. It's just things that habits I just... Man, I catch myself. I'm like, dude, this is exactly what my dad did. Yep. Yeah, I never speak Korean, except to my kids, when I'm mad.
2: I'm like, where did I get that from? I'm like, oh, it's from my parents. Like, I'm just repeating the, the chastisement my parents gave me onto my kids.
0: Man, it's like a cycle. That just
2: Yeah, end.
1: and all our parents at one point, when they were disciplining us, said just wait until your parents <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll see. And I remember saying, I'm never going to be like this. <laughs> no, totally. And then now so. I'm like, oh, I'm exactly like
0: this. Yeah. I remember they always said like, I'm hitting
2: you because I love you. It's like, no.
0: But now I say the same thing to you. I'm, just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm taking this away because I love you. But um. But yeah, so, uh, you know, from that too, I, I, some general questions like, um, I, I think fatherhood and parenthood in general kind can get a overhyped like understanding of it and also a bad rap so i kind of want to just share both sides of parenting too but i guess for you guys first like you know given everything we talked about what's been the biggest blessing that you've carried from being a dad uh, and being a parent and even you know co-parenting with your wife too i know two blessings that
2: i think about is one it really bonds you with your family and by family meaning like your parents and your siblings in ways that you, I didn't anticipate like, you know, before when we would celebrate Christmas or Easter or, or birthdays, it was cool. But then, you know, it was just like a bunch of adults spending time together. But once we had like our kids, it became like this huge joyful thing and we look forward to like seeing our family and seeing them surround our kids with like presents and love and care and even like with uh, with family members where there was any strain, it kind of just healed the strains that were there. And so that was one great thing that happened, I think, was the building of relationships with our extended family. And the second thing that I thought was a huge blessing is you could kind of experience life in a different way because now you know, when you see your kids, they're like burden free. They have no worries about life. They They just want to enjoy and have fun. So when you go to like Disneyland or you go to any theme parks, you're kind of, looking at these different things through the eyes of a child and so i realized you get to almost experience childhood again and experience Mm -hmm. fun in an interesting way where it's not just you and your wife but it's with the child who you're going to that place for them so that's been like really a joy like just experiencing life through a child's
0: eyes yeah i i I agree with tom too like you see everything through a different lens like and with your wife too, right? And, and, you know, vice versa, hopefully with your wife, husband. Like, it's just usually me and my wife before kids we were like Netflix couple. We'd like just stay at home and like just, you know, on a Saturday, hey, let's just just be lazy and just chill. But now I realize like it kind of forces me to like, okay, I got to look up parks. I got to look up this or that. I got to go out. But it, it also, it's, te- it's tedious and, and it's more work than just kind of, being lazy, and I envy that when I see singles or married couples doing that. But there's also this like, man, I, if without kids, like I wouldn't have been able to go out as much during the quarantine. I would just been like getting, and I did gain a lot of weight, but just getting more weight or like, you know, just eating or just watching whatever during the quarantine. But the quarantine kind of forced me to like really push my boundaries. So I've actually been really blessed by that. Like, I don't think I've, I'm not an outdoors guy. I'm not, I don't like going out much either, but the kids have helped me a lot to kind of just. It's an it's I'm I'm like acquiring new tastes of like I I love just going out and, and being with
1: kids which I never thought I would say before, hmm. like a few things that come to mind for me, um, yeah like for sure um, I think as a parent you're able to access parts of your heart that you did not even know you had you know they say that when you have your first child your your heart kind of expands and then you you can't imagine that your heart could expand again for the second, but it mm. happens again. And you, you kind of, um, you experience an ability to love, I think, that um, you didn't know that you had before. Um, definitely agree with Tom that I think um, it, it bonds you with your wife. And I think in some ways, it's ama- it's been amazing to see uh, Carol become a mother. And, you know, it kind of like, um you know in in some ways, you um get to see a different side of your spouse too uh, you know and, and you grow in your own respect for your spouse when you watch them as a mother um on a daily basis and so that was really cool and I would say the the last thing is um huge like blessing for me is receiving love from my kids you know they're i I think so much of life we are you know especially for someone like me who is I struggle with approval you know and you're kind of moving through life you know trying to not make mistakes and trying not to make people mad and um, trying to be liked and 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 then you have these kids who literally you can do no wrong in their eyes and my kids show me so much grace on a daily basis you know like you know, when they give me cards and it's like you're my hero, I'm like how? I'm like the worst dad ever. But you know, you you in some ways you get a glimpse of. You know, everyone says that parenthood is a glimpse of the father's love. You know, but in some ways, I feel like the the love and grace we receive from our mm-hmm. kids is actually also um, an embodiment of the gospel back to us. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Wait, Jason, how was it going from a daughter to a son? Because I I don't know if Tom can relate, but like going from a son to daughter, it was like my heart expanded like tenfold. It was, was like, amazing. Oh. Yeah. And even now I'm like super strict with Eli, but Sydney can do the same thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's okay.
1: Right? But I guess for you, like how was it flipped? Because I'm I'm curious to hear that. It's so funny. Because like, my, I mean, my son and my daughter are complete opposites. Mm. My daughter is like stereotypical firstborn responsible like super well-mannered you know just like perfect in every way (laughs) and then my son is like a juggernaut he you know he he lives up to his name he he is jack jack from the incredibles (laughs) um but you know he's he's so hilarious to me so like they they um like they're amazing to me in such different ways. Yeah. I think when I had my daughter it was there was like just a deep sense of love and joy and I don't know with my son it was like I was so proud like he was like my son. You know there there was like mm-hmm. that thing that happened too. I can it's hard to explain but for sure very different uh emotions interacting with them. Ironically Carol I would say it's like flipped like Jack can do no wrong sure in Carol's oh, eyes total mama's boy yeah, yeah, yeah um she's a lot harder on our firstborn you know but one thing you agreed on was to leave him in America <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the one thing you guys agreed upon yeah leave him in America and then and then lie to him about it <laughs> like, <laughs> I gotta send this episode of Jack in 10 years okay like, hey, to help you understand the true story your, <laughs> your trauma uh, no, I'm just kidding um Yeah, no. so I I think we'll share a lot of blessings as some of these other questions will trigger. But I also, you know, save space too. Like Jason mentioned, parenting takes a lot out of you physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and all that. And I guess for you guys, like what's been the biggest struggles? And maybe, you know, we can talk about the the struggles that most people even without kids will know, the, the tiredness and all that. But also any struggles that you feel like were surprising to you? as well or like some things some struggles that maybe aren't talked about candidly within the church because i do think a lot of that happens um with parenting in the church too
2: i think what well, a couple of struggles that come in mind one is like your schedule is just so different to everybody else's man so i remember that happened recently where someone at our church said hey let's you know we want to bring you guys dinner and we're like oh yeah sure like come over monday and then I remember like that day. I was like, wait, when are they coming over? And I messaged them. They said, oh, we're gonna be over like around 7 p.m. Because that's when their work ends. And I was like, oh, like we eat dinner like at five because our kids, (laughs) you know, eat dinner and then early and then they go home, go to bed by like eight. And so I realized like, oh, your schedule just is so different from everyone else. And only other parents understand like, oh, yeah, if we say we're going to get dinner, it's going to be like at 5 p.m. or so. And, you know, like you hang out for three hours and then you have to go to bed and put the kids in bed. But if they don't have that schedule, too, it's really hard to make space for people. And so you have to really adjust for those who aren't parents. So scheduling is really hard. And I realized, too, that there's like a new level of worry and stress that kind of comes that you just don't anticipate. I remember someone once told me, which it still worries me because I don't know exactly what they mean, but I have a taste of it, is they told me like your life problems don't begin until your first kid enters the first grade. That's when like problems really begin. I didn't understand him when he said that first, but now my son's about to enter the first grade and I realized like, Oh, I think I know what he's talking about. Like you're, before when you had like a kid, you're worried about just making sure they're alive and they're healthy. But once they go to school, you're now worried about their development, their social relationships, how are they doing or how are they compared to their peers? And so you just have a brand new worry that you're always constantly thinking about when you're, it's not just about you anymore. It's not just about your job or your marriage, but it's about now another person's development and how they're headed and what their trajectory is. So that was kind of a new burden that got put on
1: my shoulders.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, I think Keller said that after kids, you're only as happy as your least happy child or something like yeah, that. As happy as your uh, saddest child. Happy as your saddest child, so true. Um, definitely true I would say uh along with scheduling for sure um you just there's so many more things to think about you know when you go anywhere vacation y- even when you leave the house to you know <laughs> so many <laughs> things to pack yep. and so many things to think about you know you're you're like yeah you you your mind is just has to multitask all the time you know you got to think about nap schedules. You know, you know what is there going to be something they can eat there? What, what's the bathroom situation like?
2: like it's a like, miracle that parents come to church, right?
1: It's it truly. Right? Like a miracle. I, if
2: parents are gone from church, I'm like, I get it. <laughs> like, I understand, man.
1: Yeah, when I when I see parents and they're either like falling asleep during the sermon or they're not even listening, I'm like, you know good. what? It's God's grace that you're even here. Yep. Like, it's it's a miracle, you know. Um, but, but along with that, I would say, you know, kind of going back to one of my blessings, which was the grace that your kids show you. And one of the struggles is that I think kids really expose yeah. all your weaknesses. Yep, for sure. You know, every, you know, you think you're a patient person, have kids, you know, and you'll realize maybe you're not that patient, you know, yeah. um, when, when they, when they fight the, the anger <laughs> that you feel it's just, it's like beyond, I, you know, like, I, I didn't know that I could get that, get that angry, you know? And so I think there are a lot of things that you, in, in some ways, I, I, I do feel like it's God sanctifying us and God humbling us because, you know, just when you think, you know, you got it, these kids enter the picture and they just, expose everything. They expose your fears, they expose yeah. all your weaknesses. And it's
2: rebuking because if you're angry at your kid and you're still angry even though you kind of made up, that's like, man, like he's a three year old kid. Like why do I have a beef with my three year old child? Like it's clearly my fault. Like like why can't I let it go and you realize, oh it's not them, it's it's you.
1: That's so true. I've like tried using like silent treatment and <laughs> yeah. passive aggression. With my four-year-old, I'm like, "What am I doing right now?" (laughs) They'll get it.
2: Uh, They'll feel me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, Jason brings a good point where it's like I I think before we thought parenting would like change you and like make you a better person, but it just like strips you down to the core. And I think maybe from there, you're so disgusted with what you see, then you change. But like (laughs) parenting itself does not change you. It like makes it just, man, Jason's right. Everything's revealed. Like, and not only that, but like Jason mentioned too, like they give you grace, but dude, they can hurt you to so many levels that you never knew before. Like whenever I come home these days, like they're both in this phase where like they like Sylvia way more than me. So I'll come in and be like, hey. And every day for the past six months, he'll be like, go away. Like, that's his first words. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, like, I just came back from, like, come on. So I just realized, like, man, like, they, yeah, they, 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 they can, they can so much, but can take so much so easily. And it's just, you know, how, how invested you are in them, too. Like, another struggle, I don't know, maybe that I'd, I'd want to share with you guys is like, I think the Disney movies always, paint like oh yeah you will always love your kids and always put them first and like every parent does that that's just like given and i there's points where i struggled where like wait like i don't necessarily feel that and i feel guilty right of like oh i and especially in the beginning like you know when your kids are born they look like an alien and you're like dude like i felt no connection in the beginning i was like this 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 is weird but i do struggle with that a lot too here and there even now like man like yeah, there's times where like I'm clearly thinking about myself whether it's life goals, career goals or just work, like way more and it's like yeah, honestly like I don't have that Disney type of like oh yeah, my kids are are everything to me, like and I and I feel guilty even sharing that too with people because and I other parents at my church have kind of shared the same thing as well.
2: But I also think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Not to say you shouldn't feel that way to your, your kids, but I do think some when people tell me like oh my children are my everything, and they fulfilled my life. (laughs) Yeah, You know, a little bit I'm just like, hmm, like I don't feel that, nor do I think I should feel that. Cause I feel like in our culture, that's kind of the way it is. Like your children are everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's almost seen as a norm where this is this level of life that if you don't experience this, then you didn't experience life, which I understand where that's coming from. But at the same time, I don't think it's supposed to be that way. But that's kind of the way the culture has presented it is your children, you either don't want kids
1: what are your everything yeah. and I feel like there needs to be more of a balance that's there
0: mm. that's good
1: yeah and I think I think uh, a lot of people in our generation like we are the products of that kind of a mindset and we're seeing maybe some of the cracks of that you know we a lot of us had parents who um, their entire life revolved around their kids yeah. you know and now I don't know about you guys but in our church, um, I'm hearing a lot of stories about people, um, people's parents. Once they, you know, once they had like an empty nest, uh, all of a sudden they didn't even know how to be a married couple because their entire life had revolved around their kids and doing things for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and no, I totally agree.
1: <laughs> what one struggle I
0: wanted to talk about specifically, though, was I guess we've touched on it a little bit before. Like I think our parenting that we receive always comes out in the parenting that we give now and i guess for you guys like how have you noticed your own fathers specifically and maybe even your moms too but mainly your father's impacting how you parent your children and maybe both positive and and negative ways like any thoughts on that too i do
2: think we try to give and compensate towards our kids that we didn't receive from our parents so for example, I'm very verbally and physically affectionate with my kids. So I'll always say I love them. I'll always like give them hugs and kisses because that's not something that was normalized for me when I was a child. Hmm. And that was always something that I equated as like love. And so I always felt like my parents, that's one thing I wish they did more. And so I did that a lot with my kids. But I realized like, that maybe the kids aren't old enough yet, but I noticed with like, older parents, I see that all the more. So for example, one thing I've heard that, I think we talked about before, like kids our age who grew up in like a very churchy setting and they couldn't do anything besides church and study, what their parents will do is now they'll take them out of church so they could do softball and go to the tournaments and do sports. And it's because they, they never got to experience that themselves because yeah. everything was about church. Everything's about school. But now they're like prioritizing the things that they wanted to be prioritized when they were kids like little league and so forth. And so I do think we compensate for what we missed out with our childhood towards our kids.
0: Mm. I think like one thing that I'm still thinking through too I, I agree with Tom I think there's parts where I try and compensate with what I didn't receive or I feel like I was hurt but on the flip side I think I always catch myself in the same kind of cycles of I don't want to say traumatic behavior but just behavior that I felt like in hindsight as an adult like oh I don't think that was the right way to raise me you know and, you know i could be naive in saying that even now but one thing i was always like i'm never gonna raise my voice at my kids and you know talking to you know because my dad did all the time but i'm like i break that every day right but i think one thing i i've just realized is like man like because i never flushed out my own journey as a son um and it is a little different for me too because i think my father and me have a little bit more of a cold and distant relationship but it's getting closer now because of the kids because i didn't flush that out yes I told myself there's certain things I'll never do that my dad maybe did to me but I never actually had a space to maybe talk to a counselor a friend about these issues and because of that and because of the lack of that effort my kids are kind of having to not deal with that but just feel the brunt of that and I always like tell like you know one advice like oh what is it like to be a parent I'm like dude just work on your not work on just just reflect on your own family history because it's gonna come out in one way or another, and that's one thing I've been thinking about. I'm still kind of journeying through because I'm still haven't done that properly. But I've just observed that in my own kind of setting too. It, that's why I'm a big believer in pre-parental uh, classes. Mm.
2: Like we do a lot of pre-marital classes because mm-hmm. you know you want to make sure you take care of your baggage before you get married and start this new life. But there's like so much more baggage that you didn't deal with oh, when you have kids. You'll give your baggage to your kids yeah. if
1: you
0: don't do that.
2: So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure, pre-parental classes, man, we need to make that a thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, and I mean, along with that, I think it, it's, it's you know, what makes parenting sp- really challenging is that um, in some ways, like our parenting philosophy for sure, I think, is influenced by our parents. But now you bring in a spouse who had a completely different yep. childhood and so obviously has different philosophy you know your certain values might be aligned but maybe certain things that you want for your kids um, certain opportunities certain experiences the way you want to discipline all of that is so different and so it's also not just you know figuring out what things from your childhood do you do you want to keep what things you want to get rid of but it's also actually having that conversation and communication with your spouse because i notice a lot that like um you know when like you know carol and i we regularly have to be like uh we have to kind of have our own conversation to make sure we're a united front because a lot of times we catch ourselves saying completely different things to our kids or disciplining them in completely different ways you know and so um yeah that's a huge challenge that we've been working through totally agree
0: um, another question I want to bring up too, and, and this is more of like a church, churchy, and if you grew up in the church, question is like, you know, Scripture t- tells us to discipline our kids, right? Uh, to pair the rod, whatever it may be. But I guess for you guys, like as pastors and as dads, like what is in your mind the best way to kind of exegete, like, okay, how does it look like to biblically discipline your kids now in our age? Because I do think. There's a lot of thoughts on that, a lot of different philosophies on how to discipline your kids or whatever it may be. But I guess, yeah, just for you guys, like growing up, you know, as, as fathers, like what's your take on, on that? Dude, every kid's different,
2: man. Every mm-hmm. kid's different, mm-hmm. and they respond differently. Some kids will respond well to confrontation and like letting them know explicitly what they did wrong and just making sure you like nip down the bud other kids need space or time, other kids need conversation. And so I don't, to be honest, I don't judge parents at all the way like they approach their kids because every kid's different, every parent's different, every household's different. And so to me, I think it is, you must discipline them. Like you can't be their best friend when they're kids and you have to correct them. But how you do it, I think it's just so different for every child and every parent that it's hard to make it in my mind universal.
0: So the rod, shouldn't look like the same rod for all your kids mm, I don't, well my
2: daughter has never received the rod from me <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's like man that's it's just different because she doesn't respond to that you know and so yeah i think yes it's different in my opinion yeah i wish my parents knew that but
1: <laughs> yeah no I totally agree i mean i think every child is different our our two, my two kids are different as well My, my son has received the rod many times from me, um, on a daily basis. And the funny, funny thing is though, you know, you, you also understand, like, I think different children can also take different things. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, part of it is getting to know your kids and, um, understanding, you know, what is, what is actually going to help them? Yep. Yep. Um, what, what are they going to respond to? Um, Yeah, and I think, you know, that's part of, that's part of the learning process, you know, and, um, yeah. it can't
2: be, like, vengeance-oriented, like, it has to be corrective, like, what's gonna actually Mm. correct their behavior, but I feel like a lot of us, when we were younger, it felt like vengeance that we received from our parents, it's like, Mm -hmm. our parents are just mad at us, and they lashed out, and obviously, that's not good, and so, if you, if it's a corrective,
1: uh, tool, then it's gonna look different depending on the child, mm yeah, and in that same light, I think consistency is the key. Um, whatever, whatever way you discipline your child, and this is something, you know, Carol and I are horrible at, you know, sometimes depending on our mood, you know, if we're really stressed that day, like for the same crime, the punishment will be so much harsher. Um, or, you know, if we're having a great day, we'll let certain things slide that we actually, I don't think should let slide. Um and so i I do think,, um, you know, being consistent because I think that, especially at our kids' age, they respond to a certain sense of like, like they 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 need to know what to expect, you know, and I think mm. um, they res- they don't respond well when things are constantly changing and when there's a lot of chaos and moving parts. And so I think even in the way that we discipline, um, I do think it's important to, to be as consistent as possible. So
2: what did your son do to make you leave him? In America? <laughs> he must have done something really bad. <laughs>
1: that was the ultimate rot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got to send this episode the Jack for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> Remind me, Jason. Poor guy. Uh, hey, for
1: those listening sorry. to you, sorry Jack okay. <laughs> we, you know what you did Jack <laughs> <laughs> only only you do to be locked in your room <laughs> brought out by firefighters <laughs> yeah that's true that that incident we were like mm, that's why we left <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why
0: he'll never mess with you again oh. uh, for those listening to you, when, we, when we say the rod where we're talking about Proverbs when it speaks about the rod where <laughs> I, I should clear that up it's not a literal rod <laughs> um, yeah I, you know that's something I've been. sometimes re- it is <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it is if you're in an Asian household um, yeah even for me that's like I've been really struggling with that too um, I, I, I agree with everything that they said I think one mistake that I have made is I also think that rod or whatever it is it should be like that last resort nuclear button whenever if you use it so much where it's kind of your own vengeance orientation where it's just like you're frustrated and you use it it loses its value so like even today like there's this golf stick that we have, and like sometimes I'll like lightly tap like Eli. I'm like, hey, don't do that. And then he did something today. I pulled it out. He's like, oh, okay, Appa. And I was like, oh, okay. This thing <laughs> has no power anymore. It's like because I was so like quick to think about vengeance and not. I think I liked how Tom put it, corrective or or more res- restorative in in a way of using the rod. It just lo- lost its value too. So and it it, it just then it piles up. It's like, okay, what can I do even? Higher to like catch the tension which could lead to like just more trauma. So I I think even kind of traversing how often you pull out that card is important because that requires patience. Which if you're a, a parent of a young child, it's hard to do
1: that in the moment. At least for me. Mm-hmm. I also find it's really important, um, and this is a little you know talking about from a biblical perspective. I do think it's really important. Um, for our kids, when when they are punished for something, um, that they know exactly what they're being punished for, mm. and then after the fact, um, that they know that, hey, this, like, we still love you. Yeah. Um, you know, this this does not change our relationship, but you know, the reason why we're doing this is because mm. X, Y, and Z. You know, and that's been really important, and that's something I think. Um, you know, and uh, I think part of it was the cultural language barrier that existed with, uh, you know, us and a lot of our, our, our parents. Um, but that's something that I consciously, you know, have tried to implement in, in the way that I parent because I I often didn't know why I was getting in trouble first, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. or or I was like, I think if it your was parents, that. Or if
2: your parents even yeah. loved
0: you after. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. No, exactly. And so
0: um yeah jack your your dad loves you he didn't leave you for he loves you. i time. love you jack <laughs> <laughs> no, <just> um <laughs> yeah so that you know that, that that's and again i don't think any of us are experts in that so that's something that we're all every parent i think with kids still in the household are figuring that out too but a couple of last questions that kind of um divvy off from our own experience but one question i want to ask you guys is like as pastors and as parents jason mentioned this too I do think every church has its own culture of families. Like they all, you know, some churches, they're really distant. Some churches are really connected and and serving, whatever it may be. But I guess for you guys, like in your own churches, what are your observations and thoughts also on the family culture uh, that you have of your churches? I notice a
2: lot of the younger families or younger married couples, more than I've experienced in the past, they don't want children. They don't really see like the need to have children, both the men and the women. Mm. And so that's been interesting. Like that's been a new
0: thing. Do you, why do you, I mean it's probably totally. why do you think that is? Like you think it is because marriages have become more focused on fulfillment than I think it's different for
2: every couple. But you know, the typical arguments I would hear like the typical arguments you actually hear that's not new. Like the world is evil, so why would you bring a child into an evil world? Mm. Or uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to do a good job with my kids. Or overpopulation. Why am I gonna add to uh, the rising population of the world? And so that's been something that's been a new challenge to deal with. Is seeing that actually, you know, is your worldview of children is it a biblical worldview? Is it more secular? Is it something that you see as a blessing or children kind of more of a curse? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of us who don't have kids we naturally think like children are just a burden that you almost i guess should have but they're not really joyfully seeking after it and so it's an interesting worldview to have about children that i kind of see developing with
1: younger couples Mm. Um, two things that i see in our church um, especially with our families and and our i would say um, we have parents who love their children and that's a blessing but i think kind of going back to something tom said earlier i think a lot of our parents are kind of maybe overcompensating for you know some of the opportunities and experiences they didn't have growing up and so our families are so busy all the time you know they are all they're always traveling they're always um you know they have sports they have activities extracurriculars and again i you know, no, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I think it's it's great, but I think um, sometimes it, it comes at the expense of, I mean, I think that their spiritual health, their emotional health, um, and I think, you know, a lot of times, that, I mean, that's what idolatry is, right? It is uh, good things made ultimate, and I think a lot of times we see that happen. And it's interesting because... A lot of our parents, they're gen- they genuinely want to raise their kids in the faith and in the church. And they say they're so worried that, you know, once they get into middle school and high school, they're going to leave the faith altogether and they're going to leave church. And yet, um, if you were to actually look at the family's habits, um, like church is not a priority, mm. faith is not a priority at all. Mm. And so, in some sense, like my encouragement for parents would be to really, to you know, to really kind of self-examine and ask yourself, like, what what are the things that are actually important to you? Yep. Because a lot of the habits and rituals that um, we're incorporating into our lives right now, those are the things that are being habituated into our kids' lives. Yep. You know, things like worship. You know, um, things like community uh all all of this stuff i think you know sometimes we say we want one thing but we're kind of undoing the things that we want you know with everything else Yeah, it's like that
2: one quote the greatest stumbling block for a child in worship is a parent who doesn't like we mm-hmm. like your your spiritual formation and your spiritual maturity is going to shape your child's spiritual maturity the most and it's also good therefore going to hinder it the most if they don't see that example because yeah. they only see church once a week And they're only there for like two hours. And so how you are
0: at the home and how you care about the faith, that's gonna affect your child the most. Yeah, I I totally agree with Jason's point. Cause I I think even for all the cons of my childhood, the one really bright spot I remember is my family was not a nuclear family. It was integrated in every aspect in the Korean church. And like Mm -hmm. every single day, almost every single day, I'd have something church related, whether it's people coming over, us going there. And yeah, sometimes I'm like just, you know, sitting around with a bunch of kids in a room, like not doing anything, but that left an impact. And for me, some people it's been negative, but for me it was positive. It kept me in the church, to be honest, like even now. And I think there was a great piece by David Brooks and it was released like right before the pandemic, but it was entitled The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake. And his whole point was like every family in America now operates like its own little pod its own little bubble and i think as asian americans too a lot of us do that because we're trying to counterbalance our upbringing but his whole point was like just and it wasn't religious but just thinking about the family by nature it's not meant to be independent like that's when you get kids that have problems because they don't have community like that's when you get parents that are just so frustrated because they're so alone and that piece was really helpful for me and i that really outlined a lot at our church that even our family ministries, we realize implicitly we're designing them to cater towards the nuclear family rather mm, than mm. the covenant family, maybe that we could call that, right? And mm. I think that's something that we need to relearn as Asian Americans because I, I totally agree. We have compensated way too far um,
1: these days. Mm. So true. I mean, I agree with everything you said. And, and to go back to what Tom said. I really think parents need to recognize that the greatest thing they could do for their children's spiritual growth is uh, t- to prioritize their own spiritual growth. And I think I see and meet parents all the time that are looking for the best children's ministry mm-hmm. or the best youth ministry for their kids. Mm-hmm. you know because they they say like, well, we want our kids to grow. We want them to have like formative, you know, faith experiences as a child. So we want to make sure, you know, children ministry and and youth ministry; these things are are you know these programs are great for our kids, and yet not realizing that the kid who are the kids spending the most time with in the course of a week it's with it's with you guys, yep. you know, um, and 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 so in some sense like. If I, you know, if a parent were to say, should I go to a church, you know, they, they don't have a church and they're, they're deciding, should I go to a church where I get spiritually fed community, the gospel gets preached to me every week, but kind of fledgling children's ministry, youth ministry, or banging children's ministry, youth ministry, I have no idea what's happening, you know, in the main service and what they're preaching. I would say a lot of parents would choose the latter, but I would always go with the former. So,
2: yeah, I feel like one um, of the best things I do for the kids without them knowing, and it's just kind of natural, is just having so many people come over to our house. Mm-hmm. Like, people yes. are like coming over from our church and they know them as like aunties or uncles. And you know, that's what the church is it's not just a group of peers, but it's older men, older women, all different life stages. And you emulate that by just you doing church. And for your children to experience different people coming to your household and rubbing shoulders with all of them, it shapes them and it forms them in a way that it's not really replaceable for like a, like a ministry, like as Jason said. It, you just can't really do that
0: unless it's mm-hmm. part of your normative lifestyle as a parent. And you can't find that anywhere else. Like At a school, it's your age group. At your mm-hmm. workplace, is your age group still. But it's kind of only in the church that you can find that type of generational
1: mentoring and just community right like in Mm -hmm. in our world right now but so true yeah someone from our uh, 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 a sister from our church texted me um, after church last week and literally she was just like I just wanted to say it was amazing to see Avery my daughter being loved on by so Mm -hmm. many different kinds of women throughout the day and she was like you know it makes me believe that Avery is going to be raised to be to be a strong woman just because of all the different mentors, yep. you know, that she has to look up to. Yeah. So, and
0: just, yeah, it could be another episode. We can keep continuing. But um, that's something that I do think more thinking and, and deeper thinking needs to be done with the church. But just wanted to end with this too. Um, just quick advice we give to two groups. Uh, the first group being those that want kids um, and the second group being those who don't want kids, you know, as parents and as as dads, like what advice would you give? So maybe the first group, those that are really excited, you know, we all know even maybe non-married people like they're like, Oh man, I, I can't wait to be a dad or a mom. Like what type of advice would you give someone like that with that type of excitement?
1: I would say whatever life stage you're in right now without kids, whether it's married, or single invest in that in that life stage fully and what I mean by that is um, as excited as you are about having kids there are gonna be so many things you can no longer do just be by nature of being a parent you know there are so many Uh, relationships that you won't be able to invest in because, yeah, like, you know, so much of your time is going to be spent, you know, on your family. There are so many ways that you're not going to be able to serve the church anymore, honestly, you know, just, and, uh, or so many ways you're not going to be able to serve people. So many things you're not going to be able to do, um, you know, with your coworkers, with your peers, Um, and I think a lot of times we're always looking ahead to the next life stage. And and I think we need to, you know, I would say, kind of understand the gift of the life stage that you're in mm-hmm. and really kind of fully invest in that life stage right now.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: good. Yeah, one thing
2: I would probably say is there's nothing about kids I think parents could prepare. Like it's like, no matter what books you read, which parents you talk to, it's just a different journey. Mm-hmm. But one thing I feel we don't prepare as well or we don't realize it's going to change as much as the marriage. The dynamics of the marriage is so different. I mean, I still remember reading this article by this lady named Esther Perot and she was talking about how in marriage, all your intimate fuel gets filled by the spouse. But once you have a child, the child kind of fills that for you too. And so there's less of that need or even willingness to give to your spouse. And that's what kind of changes the dynamics of the marriage. And it ends up mm-hmm. being where you feel like your business partners with your spouse and your child is the business. Yep. And that's kind of how you're functioning. And so to me, like I feel like one big thing is just to keep an eye out on the marriage because it could easily easily devolve and become something where you aren't really connecting with your spouse anymore because all your connection is getting given and received by your child. And so that's been one big adjustment that we had to make on the fly was oh, we didn't realize how different Marriage is going to be adding a second and third person to the
0: household. Mm. If I would add anything, I I totally agree with Jason and Tom. The only thing I would add maybe is with people that are really excited to have kids, they have a perception of children and parenting that you only kind of know, you you only would have if you don't talk to parents on a deep, deep level. Like, you know, we had our first indoor service today. So it was a really big blessing. I love seeing Eli and my kids and, and Sydney, like, Being with older people, it always comes to me like, dude, like, Eli's like, so cute, so well-mannered. I'm just like, oh, like, y'all don't know. Like, (laughs) kids have a public face, too, you know? And when you come over and and eat dinner, like, yeah, you'll get to see crazy parts of of parenting and, like, actually talking to parents. So, one thing I tell people that are really excited to have kids, like, hey, spend more time with families. And not just, like, in public spaces, but if they're open to it. Even coming over and just, like, watching how they parent, too. Because I do think it opens it opens new perceptions for you uh, as someone that doesn't have kids. So with that last part of advice, what would you as a parent tell or advise people that don't want to have children, especially those maybe that are already married or thinking about marriage. Like Tom mentioned, I do think that's on the rise. Um, so, and, and you know, I, I do think that's biblically something that we should address uh, forefrontly too. So yeah, any advice you'd give to, to people in that group? I don't
2: thing. I try to tell young parents who, struggle with that is well to back up the context is usually like they like their life right now or they enjoy their marriage and they see how hard it's going to be and they don't want to mess things up or or so forth Uh, but i'll say two things is one for those who kind of are wondering you know is it time to have kids like i know a lot of people wrestle with that too like when and one thing my wife and i were talking to a couple recently we were saying hey when everything feels pretty stable like your marriage is good your your financial situation is good. It might be actually a pretty good time where it's worthwhile considering having kids. If things are rocky, then that might be a, a barrier to having children, more work is to be done. But if everything is stable, that's actually a good sign, rather than like, are you gonna mess this up, this good thing? It's a good sign actually, in my opinion, to have children potentially. And two, even though it's true, the life as you know it is gonna end. Like the way you understood things, the way your marriage is, it's, it's over, but, In one sense, when you have children, a new life begins and it is a potentially fuller life. It is a great life. And so it's kind of like, I I equate to like the Christian faith, like the old was gone and you know, your old days, it's no longer as fun as it was and as great as it was, but now you have a new life and there's a new type of richness that's kind of there. And so what I would tell anybody who's contemplating or struggling with wanting children, I think you're gonna have a different life, but the life that you're gonna gain it, it is different and there's new pains and new lows, but also like new joys and new highs that are just there. And it's hard to describe until you actually experience it. So I do think that new life, as unknown as it is, there are a lot of blessings, just like it is when you're single and you're about to get married. When you are when you get married, there's a lot of blessings and there's a lot of lows, but the blessings are way higher than you ever thought. The lows are way lower than you thought. And that's just how it is with, I think, relationships in general.
1: Mm. Hmm. Yeah, when I talk to couples who, um, you know, uh, sometimes they'll say, "Ah, we really don't want to have kids, but we feel like we're at the age and we we feel like, you know, we're going to kind of get left behind or we feel deficient in some way if we don't. And first thing I I, I would say is, you know, you are not deficient for for feeling that way or you you would not be deficient um, if you didn't have kids. Um, but I also think that sometimes when we get confronted with that question, it's actually a really good opportunity for us to kind of self-examine and ask ourselves, like, you know, uh, what are the reasons behind maybe why we don't have kids? And Tom mentioned a few, you know, um, maybe it's, it's this, you know, certain, you know, feelings like, man, my career is really taking off, you know, I don't want to, mess up a good thing you know I, my identity is in my career and so I don't want anything to mess that up um, you know wh- whatever that may be uh, for some I know it there's like a fear of being a bad parent or fear of failure um, sometimes it's yeah it's tied to tied to some of our insecurities and fears um, but in, in general you know I say this about people also hesitant to get married as well I think these are kind of crossroads moments where it's re- I think it's an opportunity for us to examine our own hearts and kind of, you know, I think a lot of times these things expose the fears that are there. They expose the insecurities that we might be uh, wrestling with, mm. maybe expose our lack of trust that God is going to provide for our needs and God, you know, that God is in control. And so, um, all that to say, I, I think. You know my my encouragement would be to use maybe use that as as opportunities to kind of reflect and 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 even converse with your spouse um you know about what it you know what may be the real reasons driving why you don't want to have kids Mm -hmm. totally agree
0: if i would add anything i i i get it because that was me i did not want to have kids and sylvia can attest to that too but You know part of it was and something i hear commonly is like i don't want to give up my spouse and i understand that too because there is an element of giving up tom mentioned like you are giving up not giving up but there's a part of your marriage that goes away and like doesn't come back uh you know but Mm. also on the flip side and tom kind of already mentioned this too man the joy that me and my wife have of being able to share family now um, is so much deeper now that we look back than to any joy we could have just with each other. And it's hard. It sucks. But, like, I don't think any... And they, all the, Jason talking to test this, too. There, there nothing speaks to the joy that's... It's so much more deeper when it's shared with something that you made, like, together uh, out, out of, like, your, your your family. So I would say it really takes maybe from the marriage. Maybe that's the best thing, but it enriches, too. And it just... Tom mentioned it it, it's to a next level Um, so I I don't underestimate that if if you're having hesitancy and we get it I I get it at least if you do so yeah with that shout out to all the dads listening Um, stay strong stay sane shout out to Trey Young too (laughs) he's
1: sorry I just watched that game but yeah any, any last shout outs for you guys sorry to my Philly friends Listening. oh yeah I forgot. <laughs> that was rough
0: i forgot you shout, shout
1: out to jack though
0: i need to shout out to jack one day you'll go to korea in, with your father if this i love if you this is i love you son if this is still going in 10 15 years we'll have an episode with jack on as we listen to this episode live reaction <laughs> but about, about traumatic
1: childhood experiences oh so hey we can invite all our kids to that one uh, Oh, well,
0: anyways, thanks for listening. Really, you know, super blessed from everyone listening. Also, all the DMs. We really appreciate it. So, if you like, comment, subscribe on any platform you're listening on, we really appreciate it. But with that, hope you're blessed, and we'll see you in our next episode.